This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I just wanted to be part of a team, and I wanted to be part of something that was, like, going to push me to be better. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Team Never Quit Podcast. Just a heads up, we are getting some strong weather right now, so you may hear a little bit of rain coming in and out. Shouldn't be too bad, but I'm sure That's the massive mu- mood music. Yeah, got some mood music, but Say I'm sure the uh, massive garden operation my mom's got working out here is going to be pretty happy about it. Yeah. Um, don't forget to stay up to date uh, with everything that we have going on. You can check out our social medias at team underscore never quit. With that being said, let's kick it off to the Patreon question of the day, which is, what is something weird that you would recommend to somebody at least trying once? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good question. Psychedelic medicine. (laughs) That's something weird that I would never in my life... Ever recommend anybody to do on a casual thing, but I feel like if everybody in the world did it once under a clinical care, doing it the right way, it would change the world and everybody would be a lot happier. I think that's a good one. Just one time. Not have you done it? I have. Uh-huh. Which I have literally never done any other drug. I don't drink alcohol. I am the least, I'm the last person in the world that would do it. And I honestly feel like it would change the world. If people did it clinically, not for fun, not as a party thing, but 
through the right channels um, with the right intention, it would change the world for sure. The breaking down of ego. That's mine. Mm -hmm. That's a deep question, man. You go a lot. A weird thing I would recommend that people try once. I mean... Could be weird or unique. unique. Just anything different. I mean, people think that I'm weird or crazy for that matter because I like to dive with sharks. Um, you know, I, rec I recommend that everybody try that once, um, especially if you, you know, I think that the fear is, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a thing like people kind of get this in their head that, you know, like sharks are bad and they're dangerous and they're scary and they're going to eat you and, you know, um, whatever. But I've, it's something that I enjoy doing. I've gotten Jeremy to do it couple different times with me when we were traveling um but i've been on like 25 she got days. you to do that imagine that as if he's never swam in the water with sharks before yeah but they don't like sharks a hell of a woman because a team guy will do damn near anything to get a girl's attention but to put dive gear on yeah knowingly putting dive the shark thing we'll get into that that was he likes to pet them though like, well, see, man, I don't, dude. Uh, I mean, I was, I, I was, she did the same thing predators, right? when we first met. I know, my point. <laughs> you don't pet, like, she can pet a grizzly bear, too, though, I think. If she well, could. it's, it's funny because, like, I'm terrified of, like, snow skiing, right? Like, Jeremy grew up in Montana. Like, he, you know, he started skiing as a kid. Like, I didn't start snow skiing until I was, like, 25, 26 years old. And, um, so for me, like, it's terrifying. Like, I feel like I don't have control, mm -hmm. you know? And, the, but, like, I'm, I'm totally comfortable, like, swimming you know, open water diving with sharks, um, bull sharks, tiger sharks, lemon sharks, like all oh the gosh. aggressive breeds have never swam with a great white, but I know people who have. And like, that's not scary to me. Like, I'm just totally big shark in the water fan? with that. You oh, big yeah. shark week fan? Yeah. Me too. I, mean, I am. I Although I have to like... That. I mean, like I started looking, I was thinking about yesterday, I was like, shark week's coming up, man. I, I can, I can feel it. Oh, I've been wanting for the she past the few years. Of course, we've, ha oh, we've gotten really? little kids, yeah. like like two and four years old. We've got, you know, our kids are young. And so we, we haven't really like gotten to do a lot of the things that we would want to do but every summer i want to do like a shark after dark party like in the lake oh, where we live fun. and you know have like awesome. the jaws playing on the big screen oh and that's do terrifying oh my gosh <laughs> you're talking about marcus's worst me for life that freaking movie man and literally that's his worst nightmare <laughs> it, my i really want to watch do it that over and over again <laughs> You, you don't need to meet my mother. Y'all got too much in common. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one because that's definitely... That's what, that's what changed everybody's perception that everybody's been terrified it, ever since. It damn but. sure did. Think about that. How impactful a movie can be. It changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was scared to get in a lake in a swimming pool. I could hear that music playing. And every time we got in the water. Yeah. No matter whatever ocean we were in, and they put us in there with the damn whites anyway. You remember the worst part is we go you go out of San Clemente Island. Oh. You're throwing concussion grenades off, Did, so all the fish are dead, and, and everything's the dead. And the seals sharks, are there. The seals come in, the Man. sharks come in, and they're like, okay, now do an op you know, open water swim. Open water swim. And Through the kelp bed and the kelp. Did they ever, like, oh. you know, the instructors are out there on their kayaks. Of course they did. Did they ever, like, call you guys out of the water? Oh. Right, because they're like, okay, okay, great whites, like great whites, start swimming to shore, and you're like, what? Oh <laughs> like, my god! There was a dead seal sitting on the side of the bank because you know you have to watch shark attack videos all day and make us do that up into the middle of the night, and then they're like, okay, now go get in, 
Yep. And it's a three curtain, it's three rips in there. Is that during buds? Yeah. Yeah. They're just oh, trying to scare you and make you it quit. It works. Yeah, yeah. I freaking scared the piss. I was, man, I. He was scared I of jaws so as a kid. Fast. I that swam was so fast like on a, that one. Mm-hmm. I remember because those kelp belts are as big as this table. One leaf out there. They're, they're huge. I mean, you peel around. That's how those. <laughs> I could just picture you being scared out there about it. It's making me laugh. I was. <laughs> I, I'm, I can openly admit that now. Well, to that point, though, I just think anything extreme to, like, get you out of your comfort zone. You've probably done the isolation tanks, chambers, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I know they kind of started pushing those for uh, team guys as, like, a PTS-type treatment kind of deal. And so somebody has said some damn neck guys were doing it and checking it out. So I, the first time I did it, I went out to Virginia Beach, and I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. And I'll tell you, like, I'd recommend it. It's something kind of, like, different and weird, but, like um, – I'd recommend it. Just don't recommend doing what I did the first time because they show you like a video and they say, okay, like here's. Should you not even bring it up then? Because people will try it. I'll, I'll look dumb, but I'm, I'm okay. Like, oh, yeah, and I, well, I mean, I think if, if somebody team else. That's not a thing, yeah. man. You're just, you're just trying it out. <laughs> That's what out. we do. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they, they have the whole like 20 minute video. They're like, watch this video before you go do it. It's like, you know, you got the, the whatever. It's like 11 inches of water. It's not, it's not that deep, but it's like enough salt in there that you float and it's Oh, it's dark. the float tank. The float tank, right? Yes. But it's like. Uh-huh. There's there's uh, no sound and, yes. and the water temperature is the same temperature as your body, so you're you're like you're floating in outer space, right? Mm-hmm. And so like that way you go in there for an hour and you let your mind totally, you know, go into a different state and whatever. So you do all that. So they're like they give me this whole watch the video, do this thing. I'm zoning out. I can't pay attention. So like I go in there and I'm like I got it. How hard can like you just go lay in the tank like super easy? So I go in there and I'm laying in it and. You know, it starts out, I think they, I can't remember if they start out with like a little bit of music and then all of a sudden it goes quiet and then it's, it's dark and like, I'm not in there for five minutes and I'm like, I wonder what it'd feel like if I just rolled over. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, just like I'm laying there on my back, like, okay, got it. Like, what if I rolled over and just did it on my stomach? Hey. What I forgot was like the salt content there is like higher than like being in the dead sea, dead sea yeah. right? So I roll over and I like splash my face get that salt in my nose and eyes and mouth and ears and i'm just like <laughs> the rest of the hour was shot because i was just like <laughs> oh man like oh man your team got tucked it out the whole time I'm like where's the line at <laughs> oh my I know gosh they, they put a towel in here somewhere yeah. i'm trying to grab the towel so i can like let me out of the egg <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure in that 20 minute video, they said like, whatever you do, like, no, yeah, that, whatever. that was the entire video. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. So I had to do, do it again another time just to do it. That's like, hilarious. Morgan was really trying. into the yeah. float tanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, that's cool. I actually didn't do that, but you did, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. There's some weird stuff out there and in all of them, it's just getting out of your comfort zone. What was yours? Well, I didn't say one yet. Oh. Go ahead, Hunter. What's yours? I think something that really changed my whole life is going to do a solo backing uh, backpacking trip around Asia, Europe. It's just something just by yourself. Get out there for a few weeks, and that'll change your whole process and how you view life itself. So, I think that's that's mine. Yeah, Hunter's done a lot of solo travels. I'll- all over Thailand and and Europe and different places. You didn't worry a bit, did you? So when he went to Thailand, this is a funny story. I 
texted every team guy I know that does private security internationally. And I was like, hey, what are things that Hunter needs to worry about? And this was his senior year or in his senior year of college. So I'm like, what does he need to worry about? What are things he needs to look, you know, like signs to look for or things not to do or whatever. And one of our friends ended up getting us in touch with a team guy that lived in Thailand. And he was like, when he gets to this place, have him just call this guy and they can just meet up and whatever. And I'm thinking this guy that lives in Thailand is not going to want to meet up with a college kid. He did, and he took Hunter everywhere and just treated him so well (laughs) and showed him all the things, stuff he probably won't tell me, but um, they had a ball, and I was so impressed with that, and it just shows like the brotherhood, the network, the wide cast of the brotherhood is just so neat to have because we didn't know this guy, and... And he just took Hunter under his wing, like across the world. It was um, awesome. He knew all the club owners, like every <laughs> everywhere. He just gave us the VIP experiences. <laughs> it was amazing. But from a safety standpoint, I felt better that Hunter had someone there that. Oh, he thought he was having a good time, but in reality, it was yeah. the entire SEAL team around him, <laughs> pushing him in every direction, move some mile away. Can't yeah. see this. Then there was a satellite that transpired. <laughs> she moved. Following that dot. Yeah. (laughs) But it did make me feel a lot more comfortable. You think some people got some pull, man. I I don't even, it's unbelievable, man. To that point though, Hunter, I mean, I think that's, that's really great because like we live in such this like social, you know, culture that like nobody wants to do anything without like friends and people and like they're, Mm -hmm. you know, don't want to go out like on their own and take a trip. Like Mm -hmm. those have been some of my best trips, like just going off on my own and exploring and doing something. And yeah, you really don't know what you're capable of and Mm -hmm. just get yourself pushed outside of that comfort zone and it'll teach you a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. I taught him one thing. What what I teach about road trips. Which one? Never pass them up. <laughs> Never yeah, pass them no, up. Very yeah. true. Always Never go. pass them up. I mean, it, yeah, all those are good. Like, face your on this, like, face on this earth to explore it, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, experience it and explore it. And yeah. Like, you know, you know what blew my mind is, like, my first deployment, I went to Spain, and I'm sitting over there in this little town, and you're talking to somebody who's lived there their whole life and never left that little town, you know? And it's like, this is a really cool town to come and check out, mm-hmm. but, like, I wouldn't want to stay in this town my entire life. You know, <laughs> not that cool. And, and, and don't you realize there's a whole world out here? Yeah. Like, it's wild, you know, what some people never really venture out of. 50 something percent. Is it all? I, I read a statistic, man, and, I, and I've asked around, like, that, that there's a major majority of humans that don't leave the town they, they grew up in. Yeah, so, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't. I can't, I can't and remember, we would go over into some of these countries, it's like traveling back in time. I mean, not only do you feel it, the time shift, you feel that. Yeah. I mean, you know when you've, you've crossed over into a, into a different realm. It's like going back 50 years. Going back. Right, yeah, yeah. Your body actually yeah. feels it. And then when you step off the plane, you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like literally when you leave America and you travel back in time, or you go, <laughs> you go forward in time, right? Exactly. So actually, time machine, yeah. To go back in time, you're actually going forward on the clock. <laughs> Took Lufon, me a, Lufon's yeah. a time machine. <laughs> about, yeah, that's what it is. Get a time machine, you can feel it, and then you step off. And some of those countries, they've never seen anything like us. I was talking to the boys the other day. I was like, hey, you, you know, you're kind of a sci-fi fan, right? You, you know, we all are, like those comics, where you talk about those, those things that fall out of the sky, and they're bulletproof, and they got glowing green eyes. I mean, what, what the hell do you are. think we are, yeah. man? Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. 
And I saw you know, when you think about it like that, it's like we were the adventurers, but the guys who came before us, it's like way before us, when they didn't know what was on the other side, like, hey, now that think about that. Think of like World War Two, and there's not you know a wide range of like information on what the other side of the world is like. That's crazy. Nor the opportunity to travel like we have right. today. I mean, now it's like, <clears throat> I mean, we went, we got married in Croatia and then we went to um, Venice kind of right after that. And we were sitting in Venice like, how great is that place? I loved it, but it was kind of like, we're sitting there and there's like the tourist boat or the tourist mm. bus or whatever shows up and it's like a bunch of fat, lazy looking Americans. You're like, mm-hmm. what do you guys even do for a job that you can even afford to come here? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, like, I mean, it's just like, I felt like we could have, I don't know, like, it was like, everybody has the ability to travel now, right? Yes. Like, everybody. Like, they just, it's it's so cheap and so easy. Yeah. But a lot of and people quick, still don't. We, know? like, I mean, go yeah. into places that are not touristy. Like, this last year, we went to Italy, and um, but we went off the beaten path. We went to a town that no one spoke English. They were wondering what the heck we were doing there. They, I had to use... Google Translate, and they just did not understand why Americans were there. And I'm like, I just looked on the map. How'd you even find this place? Yeah, right, right. I'm like, what I just looked on the here? map, and your yeah. lake looked pretty. Right, yeah. Pinterest. That's how we found People it. People go to right. the city. <laughs> That's how it was in, in some parts of Croatia that we, we went to. But then we also, from there, we, we rented a car. Once we got off the island that we were staying at in Croatia, we rented a car, actually, and drove all around the coast down to um, southern Italy, where we then went to Venice. And that was Fun. neat because then we hit a lot of those small towns. And That's then, really yeah. neat. Yeah, I love stopped that. Stopped off at a lot of cool places. So let's back it up. Where where were you born? Montana, Northwest Montana. What town? Kalispell. What is it? There was something in That's the water up Flathead there, like Lake a, or something, right? With, with yeah. whitefish we live and, on and, Flathead Lake now, and, yeah. and that lake that y'all come out of yeah. that produced team guys. Yeah, I mean, it's like a bunch of growing up. It was it was Zinke, Ryan Zinke. Uh, grew up in Whitefish, and you know, Kalispell is like 15 miles south there. And I grew up basically in Kalispell. And then since then, there was a couple. Ulrich grew up there. We went through together. He came in just a little bit after me, and then yeah, yeah and They're then Beeman. And then Chip moved there because, and and now it's like, but he's got like nine kids and they're all (laughs) freaking, they're all team guys. How about that? Yeah, he's got like three boys, all Navy Seals. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so cool. How about that guy? That's wild. Yeah, Chip's good people. And then uh, and now there's like a there's a whole army, you know, special forces contingent too, and and they're better at recruiting than the than the seals are up there. (laughs) I mean, there's more of them to recruit, I guess, but like they they're moving in in droves, so it's kind of. It's kind of cool. Like, you know, we basically have that. It's real cool. That, Our little that town. group of guys. Don't that, y'all have, mm-hmm. is Andy Stump up there? Andy is, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I saw a black rifle. I don't know him personally, but I, I follow his Instagram. And I saw yeah. that he opened a black rifle up he there. He did in Kalispell. I, um, I've been in there one time. It's really cool. It's it nice. looks really cool. Yeah, it's really so well done. So now the town's competition is going to be who can open up the coolest coffee shops. and <laughs> <laughs> That's how we'll get at each other now. Like across the street, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Lowe's and Home Depot, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay, we'll so hide these Starbucks. <laughs> right, <laughs> not really like Starbucks that much, but you know it was convenient this morning. Even. Right. So we're taking it back to your childhood. Um, did you grow up with brothers and sisters or um, parents in the military? Anything like that? Uh, parents in the military. My my grandfather. So I was. Um, it's kind of a his, hers, and ours, I guess, 
right? Like, so I have a half brother, younger brother, and an older step brother and stepsister, right? And so my mom got remarried to my dad now when I was probably like uh, two and a half, three years old. And my, my, that man actually adopted me also. So he had, you know, full legal rights. So I kind of felt like, you know, he was my dad. Until you're a teenager and you're like, you're not my real dad just because you're... Did you go through that? You know, I, I did, but it was weird because there's no reason to. What causes that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, just out of curiosity, you see it on it, TV. I'm just curious now that we're yeah. here. I don't, I don't know if it's like an in, in, insecurity or something. Like what I, what I did... Because it sounds like a go-to with, phrase. What's that? It's a yeah, go-to it, phrase. It, 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 it's like... It, it's totally this exactly what it is. And I don't know. Like there, for me, I was just telling somebody yesterday how like when I was a little kid, you know, I had some insecurities and maybe they were driven from some of that, um, or maybe they're driven from who knows, but I ended up, I was like the class clown. I was always in trouble and the rest of my siblings weren't like, I got spanked more than all the rest of my siblings combined. I, I was a stubborn, hard, you know, child fun, but like I was, I just pushed all the limits and maybe it was part of my nature, but maybe it was like there, there was definitely some insecurities there. I mean, I was in the principal's office like all the time, just all kinds of stuff. So I don't know when I got older, I was actually a pretty good kid. I mean, for the most, most part. Um, but you know, you still have this like little tiny bit of rebellion. And I kind of laughed a minute ago because when you're talking about, you know, some of these people never leave the area that they're from, like I could not wait to get out. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love Some people are made to leave, but I was like ready to be <laughs> oh, yeah. out on my own and do my own thing. And I wanted to go far, far away and wherever that was to do my own thing and, you know, experience life and all that. So, but you had amazing parents. Like they, my were parents like are amazing. That. Yes, for sure. Yes. And sometimes you don't fully c comprehend that until you become a parent. Oh yeah. Especially, that's when, that's when right? that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then you just have like that much more respect for even the things that maybe you didn't agree with when you were younger, you know, like, Anyways, yeah. If someone stepped in to be a parent on you and you, you kind of throwing that back and you don't see it, that means it's coming later. <laughs> right. That's when that shows up. Yeah. You know, like, what, and it's, you know that's funny. irony. That's life right there, man. That's how it works. My mom used to say this and I'd get a kick out of it now, but she was like, you know, when I was misbehaving or whatever, she'd be like, I hope you have a son and I hope he's there just he like yeah. you. <laughs> she put that on you? Yeah. She already uh, put she, that on she, you? Oh. Yeah, I mean, so like our son is four and uh, Bro. probably, you know, I'm starting to just wait. Just like me, you know. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I got it. You just, yeah. So my father put a, put a curse on me too as a kid and it came true when I had kids. Like that, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just wait till the little one's old enough to start scrapping around, man. It's funny. That's how they get you back. We're stealing your tools. Marcus yeah. swears that his dad... I didn't dad... steal my father's hammer, okay? I borrowed it, and I didn't yeah. put it back, because yeah. he called me away in the middle of using it, and I went, long story short. <laughs> Marcus swears that his dad Man. put a curse on he him when he was a child for not returning face. his hammer. And now thing. I was standing all there. of his like tools go missing all, all the time. All tools go missing all the time. <laughs> he dude. curses yeah. his dad. So I'm real yeah. careful about what curses yeah. I put down on my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so far, yeah. I've kept them all to myself. That. Let them slip up, up. So when you um, were in high school, did you, is that when you decided to become a SEAL or just go into the military? Or I, Did your parents, did, I mean, how would that work anyways? I was in that, this is kind of funny, I was in that era like of, I mean, so I was in, I started in 214 and finished in 215, right? So um, graduated high school in 1996 and had the whole summer, but... I was looking at like between my junior and senior year, you know, the military recruiters were calling 
calling me. And I had no real interest in being in the military. What I was going to say a minute ago was my grandfather on my, my dad's side um, that adopted me, Jerry, um, his, you know, his dad had been in World War II, but only for like three years because it was like he was in the Army Air Corps. Yeah. And so like he got shot down over, I believe it was like Yugoslavia, like at the last six months of the war. So he's a POW for like the last six months of the war. And so he had some stories, but like he never talked about it. You know, like it was, it was, and the only person he really talked about it with was me after I was in the Navy and already went to SEER school. And then, and he was kind of telling me some stories and he was like, cause you know, they used to have these like GI wool sweaters and they're really nice. So they, he, he basically was getting interrogated and he knew it wasn't really serious until they made you take off your sweater because they, they would keep your sweater and they liked it. So like they wouldn't, he, that's what he said. He was like, they're not going to like shoot a hole in this sweater or like, you know, whatever. He just, that was kind of like his little knowing when it was serious, you know? Um, but anyways, yeah. So that was on that side. And then uh, my grandfather on my other on my mom's side, actually, I think served for like two years and didn't really, um, have to go anywhere or do anything, but both that was like around World War II, and then the rest of the family there was nothing. There was mm-hmm. nothing, and so, so when I uh, was in my senior year, I was I played soccer, and you know here we are in Texas. I don't, God, I'm still not sure they know player. what soccer is here in Texas. We definitely uh, don't. We don't. <laughs> but, in, but in Montana, I was at that time frame where they were playing club soccer, and so I kind of grew up playing with a bunch of guys that were a lot older than me because there wasn't that many guys on the teams. And so I, I got the opportunity to progress really fast because I was playing with guys much older and better than me. And so when I ended up being a, a freshman in high school there, they, it was the first year they had a soccer team in high school. And it, so I played varsity soccer as a freshman. I was the only one and I lettered. I was like the only one to letter like four years playing soccer because I was just used to playing with the older guys. Anyways, um, I thought I'd go to college and maybe play soccer in college because I probably wasn't smart enough to get the academic scholarship. I had two older siblings who were already paying for school, and I didn't really want to have to take that, you know, take out some debt for school. So I was just like, well, I will get a scholarship. And I tried out for a couple teams. I actually tried out for a team in, uh, is it Letourneau? Um, Letourneau is the university. It's in Longview, I think Longview, Texas. Mm-hmm. It's like an engineering school because it's where my brother ended up going. I was like, one. See, I wouldn't know anything it, about it. Yeah. It was, it was, was not schools. an engineer on the side of the table, pal. It was like 80% boys to girls in that school. And I oh, was wow. like, yeah, so I went out and tried out for the school, but I was super unimpressed with that statistic. <laughs> Did you give a bad tryout? I was like, <laughs> You're oh, like, man, no I girls. Know. <laughs> I don't know. So the coach was like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll take you on the team, but there's no scholarship money until maybe when you're a senior, we might have a little bit. And I was like, nah, not interested. So then I was, uh, just walking through the high school, going to lunch one day, and I picked up this black and white paper. It was, I mean, it was like, it was nothing special at all. You couldn't even hardly read the pictures or tell what was on the pictures, but it was like, buzz. It's like the last thing know. on the photocopy machine that it came out. Totally, yeah, it was totally, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Remember that? Yeah, it was, it was in and out. You're, you're like, yeah. So I picked it up. I didn't even really talk to the recruiter there. I just grabbed it on my way to lunch and I was reading through it and I was oh, like, they had Oh, they had the table set up. They had a table. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, that. and so some people were kind of stopping and it was just the Navy guy that was the only one there. So like I, whatever, I just grabbed was he it. dressed up. Yeah. He was in his whites. Was it one of the dudes you went to high school with? 
No, this guy's uh, he was quite a bit older. Uh, no, he, he he was like an E six or maybe even a chief oh, wow. at that point. Yeah, I think he was an E six at that point. So what in the hell he had to do to get put in high school? Yeah. So he <laughs> so been through. he's just there for lunch <laughs> and and uh, I picked up this deal <laughs> and I look lunch. at it and I go, Well, holy smokes, you know, like I grew up small town, Montana. I'm like never I've never had the opportunity to go skydiving or scuba diving or any of these other things. And what I did know is like from being an athlete. I played some other sports too. Um, baseball, I sucked at, so I quit. And uh, basketball, I played through um, up until my junior year, and I enjoyed it. But I really liked the team camaraderie part of the the soccer team, and so that was kind of my where I focused my efforts. He a good runner. I was a good runner. Yeah, yes. Well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was good for you. I was not a great swimmer though. Well, one or the other, right? <laughs> yeah. Snowball. <laughs> So running, like I had super, uh, that was my superpower for sure. I mean, I could just run forever. And so um, I ended up, I just wanted to be part of a team and I wanted to be part of something that was like going to push me to be better. And so I knew that much. I didn't know much else, but I knew that. They hadn't come out with any, you know, well, I'm sorry. I think the Charlie Sheen Navy SEALs movie was out by oh, then. it was out. It was out, but I didn't grow up with the TV, so I hadn't really seen that yet and there's one documentary that's yeah option. and one right so like there just wasn't a lot of information out there so that brochure was the first thing i saw and i basically went in and told the recruiter i'm like i'd like to know more about this and he's like well you got to go to you know butte montana and you've got to like go to the maps and you've got to make sure that you can even like you're even qualified and i was like okay so i told my parents and i went with the recruiter and i got a it's like five hours away so we got to spend the night. All right, I spent the night, and they're like, here's your coupon to go get a steak dinner, you know? And I'm like, hey, man, I'm freedom again, right? I'm like, All right. So I do that. I go through the whole the whole MEPS deal. And at the How very, old are you now? 46. No, no, no. How, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. How old are you? No, I was like, uh, so I was probably I was like. I was in the story, dude. I, I, like, no, I, was like, <laughs> I guess I was probably like 17 and going on 18. Yeah, right? Just checking. So yeah. you went straight in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went. So, so I'm. I go to MEPS and I, I go through the, it's like this assembly line process, right? And at the end of it, like I'd never said, I'm like taking this oath, but like at the very end of it, they like run you through and they put your right hand in the air and take, take this oath. And I was like, I don't know if I just joined the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need to talk yeah, to my got, parents. Got, I've seen that happen. I haven't even heard of that too. So They're on like, the I... long drive home, I tell the recruiter guy, I go, Hey man, uh, so you guys had me like take this oath. Like, does that mean like, what if I don't want to join now? And he, and he was like, what do you mean? We buy you a steak dinner. Like, you know, like, and I, so, so I get, I go, hold on. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. Steak I, dinner. Gonna, that's what got me, man. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, uh, it's I get four home, years. I tell my mom, I'm like, she's like, well, how'd it go? I go, well, I joined the Navy. And she goes, no, you didn't. Like literally for the next six months, she didn't believe me. <laughs> She didn't believe me, and, and and so technically it wasn't like the the formal. There is one, yeah, right? one but more. It, but it was I didn't know about right. that either. I, I didn't know there was another yeah. one. Mm -hmm. There freaking is. They tricky man, bro. They got. <laughs> I was even on the. That's brilliant. I was like, hey man, uh, just sign this. Oh, I thought I had to sign that just to get in the damn building. No, no. And then every room. Good yeah. Lord. I, so that was your mess experience because mine was crazy. Yeah. If I, I. They didn't want Marcus to join. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> the power went out in the building, and yeah. I, and I was, I'm gonna tell you what up to the. It, well into the night. If I'd had, I wouldn't have gone back. Like if it, yeah. if they were like, hey man, you got to come back next week. I, you wouldn't have been talking. We wouldn't be having yeah. this conversation. Yeah. I wouldn't have been a seal.
Didn't they keep sending you to like the wrong place? Oh, like man. He kept, go, he kept going in. They were like, like oh, hey, this is really the right wanna, place. Really go to this, this next kind place. Of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's why God messes with me. He's like, hey. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, fortunately. Now here we are, bro. Here we are. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. So was your mom excited about it? Or? No, my, well, both my parents were very reserved in their... Uh, they, they both knew like I was at that point where I was ready to be out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's way out of the house. Yeah. Way out. And so <clears throat> they respected that. And, you know, as long as I was under their roof, it was their rules, but, um, they both were very reserved. I think my mom was more worried probably. And my dad actually said something which you can appreciate now, but like he said, my biggest concern is that like, you're chasing this adrenaline rush and what happens, you know, when you can't get enough, right? Or like, like when it runs out, then what, you know? And like, it didn't really, it made sense, but I didn't really put a whole lot of stock in it sure. at the time. But like, now you, know you now you can appreciate it, right? Because you're like, okay, well, I mean, but anyways. Yeah. You can't know what that, not at that Dude, that's wisdom right. that gets dropped on you. <laughs> that's when you show up later like, hey, I get it now. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, what yeah. was that? Was that like an "I told you so" moment or something? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, but uh, yeah, oh yeah, it yeah. never. I never ran out though. We always managed to get into something. Like we've been pretty fortunate with that. Yeah, it seems like. But uh, I know exactly, exactly mm-hmm. what you. So did about. you know that you were going that you wanted to be a SEAL specifically, or were you? I just... did. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything else that was in the Navy. And the funny thing too is that recruiter when I said no, I want to do, I want to do this thing on the paper. You gave me like the the. Buds, whatever mm-hmm. this is, yeah, beaches, umbrella drinks, skydiving, the thing with the yeah. party, <laughs> skydiving, scuba diving. I told you the thing I want to do, and he's like, no, no, no. He goes, I've worked with those guys before. Oh, You're go. not going to make it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't even know me. Right? And he goes, he goes, no, no, like it's because nobody makes it. It's like he's like ninety percent of those guys that go to training, they don't make it. And so like plus, you know, back then it was like you had to pick a different rate anyways so right. he's like he's like just don't even worry about that like just go pick a rate and then you, you can try to go to the training but like you got to be you got to have your backup plan like pretty set and i was like whatever backup how about that plan, they even know. made us go get trained up with the expectation of us not making it yeah normally you do that one after <laughs> right they make us do it in the ahead of that so which is so unnerving that I was thought. the whole process is like i had to join the navy and then I had to go to boot camp, and then halfway through boot camp, I had to, if I was lucky enough, to go take the test to like, and then they give you the freaking flu shot, you know. So you, of course you got the flu, yeah, right. You know, and then you, and, and you go, you got a temperature 100 and some degrees, and you go take the test, and then out of like 80, in a blizzard, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I, went, I mean, what I went that? to the great. So when I I thought like I started looking at the Navy, I'm like, oh cool, they got a place in Florida, they got a place in uh, yeah. San Diego to, go, get to go to the training, and it was like, yeah, we just closed those. Boom. By the way, you're going to Great Lakes. But and that's, that's exactly what they said. And you're going in November, actually, because yeah. I had the whole Thanksgiving. Summer. Let's yeah. do that one. So I was there, I went in Bro. November 11th. I think it was November that's 11th. When Morgan went 10th. in. Yeah. So I was there all winter. Because I went through that, then I had to go to A school, which was my I, went, I ended up being a hall school? maintenance technician. What's it called? Uh, what were you? A hall maintenance technician. Oh, what is that? Which I thought would be cool because it was like, why would you think? How's that? That, didn't, that nothing about that sounds. cool. I was like, it's like shop class. That's what why. Is it? It's like shop class. It's like you, you, you learn how to do like metalworking. Dude, you know, people listen to this man. You know what I'm talking about? Oh wait, a hall, a hall maintenance. A hall. 
Well, come to find oh. out, they're also like the they're not H-U-L-L. technically a plumber, but they work on the you know S H I T systems, now. right? Okay, yeah. I'm not trying to diss them. That's a I real thought you said I mean, hall maintenance. But now you can come hall in monitor. straight away, like, like, like a, a hall monitor, a hall operator, you know, hall maintenance. This is back in the day. That sounds made up. Hilarious. Somebody's got to paint the ships. How long is that? Eight? Well, uh, it was uh, like 10 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be long, yeah. right? Yeah. That's a serious job. <laughs> down there. I don't know well, 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 I yeah. really, No, I didn't really learn. I, I practiced welding for a couple weeks, and then I had to take a test. You know, and that was the stupid part, like when you're a SEAL. Like, it's so cool that they finally switched to being a, you know, an SO. They like switched that, it. Because now you take a test on something you actually care about. Yeah. And it means something to your job, and you want to be known for being good at it. Back then, it was like... Do you want to, if you're going to weld this kind of metal with this kind of metal, do you want to use a temperature of 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit or 1,200 and whatever degrees or 1,300? I'm like, ah, C. Valid question. Valid question. Not for this dude, right? You know, I'm not going to waste time studying that one. Yeah. Yeah. It was to see if you had the aptitude for it as well. Yeah. But you hear, that's how I I didn't even know anything about the rates. Because there's rank, rate. Yeah, I didn't speak so military. The, I didn't know anything about that. You're a you're a medic, so like you, when you came in, were they like here go to the Corman school, or did you have to go? I had to go straight to Buds, Buds and then decided right. So how about that for hookup? I yeah. thought it was the quickest way to get to the seal. <laughs> my, my recruiter technically it was it, technically it was. He didn't lie to me. Yeah. He did not yeah. lie to me, and I hold it over yeah. his head. I still buddies with him, but oh my god, because when I was in there, you know, I didn't have a rate, so they could send me anywhere. Yeah. And that's when you really find out about some jobs in the military. Like, Latrell, man, if you screw this up, we got a place for you. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have a name for it. And I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make And then I had to go to 18 Delta, which is the longest route. I t- oh, yeah. Came, come yeah. to find out, I was on the longest Yeah, he path. wasn't yeah. Corman. Right. It was 18 Delta. People mess that up all the time. Uh-huh. I, I just go yeah. with it now. Yeah. People are like, hey, you're, hey, Corman. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, what's uh, up? Yeah. No, yeah. but he, he actually went to 18 yeah. Delta yeah. over in Fort Benning. Yeah, Benning, yeah. It's no, uh, a- Bragg, excuse me. Bragg. Yeah, yeah, Vietnam. Yep. Vietnam. <laughs> I'm a bastard. I'm a I mean, I remember bastard. like all my buddies, like yeah. from Bud's class, like they go to, like the, <clears throat> you don't see them for like what is it, six months or something? Like six I mean, months to a year, right? So it's like then they have to do. A you've already gone through all your training. Hospital. Like these guys are just coming back. And then they pull like, us Where out. You <laughs> yeah, they pull us out every. You got to go every year for two weeks, which is yeah. cool. You know, if you if you enjoy it, which I did. Yeah. Uh, the course but you didn't get your trident so. for a long freaking right. time. Like, well, they forgot about me. Other they, guys. They, there was a warrant officer going to give it to me. He's like, here, just take it. And I'm like, no, I'll, I'll, I won my ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was like a big deal. Yeah. Even my buzz class, all the guys I graduated buzz with had been on deployment and come back. And, and I remember the guys in my class got together and got me the gold trident with the ruby. And they were like, hey, here, you've earned this. And I still didn't touch it. You know, it's bad luck. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's a real thing for us. Mm-hmm. And I would not touch that damn thing until they pinned it uh, through my chest. Mm-hmm. And then then I, then I then you know how it is. You still stare at it? I still do, man. I, every time I see that sucker. You know what I did? This is, yes. So, like, I had a little Ford Ranger was the truck I had back then, you know. And, and so, like, I took, I had one. I put it right in, like, my kind of on the floor in front of the center console. And like I just sit there and look at it when I was driving. Still one of my truck. <laughs> and I was like, right? He keeps you know? it on his visor, like yeah. the the middle. And I'm not thing talking about the drawings. I'm not, it's not for anybody else. It's not for anybody else. Just for me to look at it and, and go like remind you of yeah, like this is, this is why I'm here and this is what I got. Yeah. Some of my yeah. purpose. Right? Constant reminder. Yeah. And it's a good one because mm-hmm. it reminds you of the hell we had to go just to get that yeah. that mm-hmm. sucker. Yeah. That carries some weight. Yeah. There's a lot of things down here. You look at it and man, you see somebody sporting that thing. 
Yeah. Special. Forget about it. When'd you go in? When? Ninety yeah, six. Well, so it was uh, November of ninety six. Yep. Dude, yep. Were you were buds in ninety in November too. So, uh, I I showed up at buds in probably like May, and I think my class up in like June. But then I was there for oh, yeah. I got rolled for pool comp, and Ooh, so what, what, really <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, God, it's, oh, it sucks so bad. <laughs> it sucked so bad, and I really felt like it was. That's the worst, man. Not even my fault. <laughs> I mean, to, to be honest with you, so you get four chances, right? And the first time was totally my fault. Like I yanked off like the exhalation hose or one of the hoses, so there was just air <laughs> blowing up from the manifold. For anybody who scuba dives or anybody who doesn't scuba yeah. dives, tell about ripping the, the the freaking hoses off his tank. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I didn't. You know, I just was pulling on stuff, and I think it was already loose, right? So it came off, and there's these bubbles blowing up. And so I didn't really know how to handle it properly, but I thought I handled it really well because I just got my face over it, and I'm like, ah, oh, bubbles coming in my mm. mouth. I'm actually breathing. You know, I'm, like, getting this air in. And but I was down there for a while, not really figuring it out, I guess, from that point on. And so they came down Kick and said, come on yeah. up, you know. They're like, you failed. I'm like, what do you mean I failed? Like, I thought I was doing pretty good. Uh, then the second time, there was something else. And, and the third time, the guy was like, you did really good. Um, just this one little thing. And then the fourth time, it was like, he was like super calm, cool, collected. And he looked at me and he was like, great job. And he goes, wait a minute, do you? Is that like a half twist in your um, strap? And I was like, you know how like it goes from here to here. Yeah. I'm like, of course it has to have a half. Like it's gonna twist from this angle to this angle. Like I still don't know like what he was actually talking about. I'm like, I feel like that was one of those things where he was like, just do it one more time because they want you to have the pressure of failing a few times. And I don't think that he knew it was like my last chance. To this day, I really don't. But it didn't matter. You can't argue with him, right? Mm-hmm. And so. I was super frustrated, super upset at myself. And so I, when I went to exit the pool, I had my fins and my mask in one hand and I got up the ladder and I just kind of tossed them on the pool deck. And the instructor that was sitting up in the tower chair was watching that. He was like, attitude problem. So now I've been rolled to the next class and I've also been associated with having an attitude problem. Oh, so no. you can imagine what kind of, love and treatment I got from that point on. Full oh, benefits. No. Full benefit. I mean, I got I got beat for a handful of days. Plus, it's actually kind of a funny story because um, another one of my um, buddies who had failed dive physics, Brody Renner, um, Brody was Brody was in there, and uh, so he'd, he'd already got rolled into the next class. So he and I, like, became roommates for that whole time in between before we classed back up. <clears throat> and he hadn't made it to um, second phase to do pool comp yet. Or no, I guess he was in the first week when they were doing, like, dive physics. And so, like, um, so we're both rolled. We're roommates. And they had these balsa wood tanks. Do you remember those, like, yeah. training tanks? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, like, you would take those and you'd practice, do whatever. Well, when I got rolled out of that class, the class leader said, you know, you, sh- you should – you know, feel free to take these and practice with them. And, you know, so I, that's what I did. To my bad, I had them in my room. And I don't know why to this day that they were in my room, but we, we would, 
I would show guys like, here's, you know, what we're practicing on. And for those two months in between class and back up, that's all I was focused on was like making sure that when I was back in the water, this is going to be my, you know, perfection. Well, as soon as we class back up and we went in for our first room inspection and they come ripping through closets and they're like, ah, we've been looking for these, you thief. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like, attitude problem and now I'm a thief. And it was like, they they were just like, we are going to make phase, sure you go ready. away. Yeah. They, you know? they don't have to have an excuse. And, to uh, there. and the whole time between those two phases, like I had made a mental, like I'm going to be that, the, you think I have attitude problem. I'm going to, I'm going to take that challenge. Right. I'm going to come in and volunteer for everything. So I was like the water boy that would come into like the second phase room with all the instructors in there, like on their lunch break when they're watching like, ridiculous TV shows, you know, and just goofing around looking for somebody to pick on. I'd come in there with the Colligan water bottle and be like, hello, yeah, happy smile, you know, um, yeah. you know. I don't have an attitude problem. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no problems here, you know. Now you're too happy. I was too happy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. It doesn't boom, matter like, in that school. That's, you don't know that. Time. And then it was like, you're a thief. And I, I got sad. And that class I rolled into was a really big class. And they had 13 officers. It was a huge class. And they... They beat me with all the 13 officers for like all day. And then they, you know, the senior chief called me into the, his office and he said, I'm going to make sure I get rid of you, you know? And I was just like, oh man, this sucks. So actually when I went into, and the guy that found the tanks in my closet, he made it very clear. He also thought I should go away. And I was like, I am a good kid, you know? And like, I had been like, this is kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. So when I get back in the water to do the, um, so all, anybody who failed previously, there was three of us um, that rolled back into this class. So we had to go first, right? So there's, I don't know if we had to go first, but we were lined up to go first. So there's a whole big class. I mean, this class that I rolled into had like, they came out of Hell Week with like 60 guys or something. It was massive. And uh, it was a summer, obviously a summer, summer, class, sum, yeah. summer Hell Week. And so anyways, they, they got a bunch of guys. And uh, so I went first and there's four, four or five lanes, right? And you get in the water. And so the guy in the first lane, they're sitting there right, getting ready to go. He goes, all right, who's, who's first? And it was the instructor that I knew hated me the most. And I was like, I am. So I was just like, this is going to be holy smokes. I get in the water and normally, I mean, you're in there for a few minutes. It's, it's usually like a five minute six, seven minute kind of deal. They do a couple surf hits on you. You go through a couple different things. You either pass or fail, you know, and, and, uh, I was down there long enough that they had got all the rest of the class to go through at least once. And everybody else had, they, again, they try and fail you at least once usually. And so everybody else had gone through and I come up and I don't know how long I was down there, but it was probably at least 30 or 40 minutes. Oh my gosh. On surf torture? He just kept hitting me, kept hitting me, but I'd spent the last two months just being mentally dialed for that. And so it was like there was nothing he could do that really fazed me. I mean, he just kept doing his best, you know, and, and I knew he was out for me. Like, I just felt it like, but I came up and he was like, great job, you know, like, well done. And then he was like, pass. And the guy up on the chair, you know, uh, was like, Ah, it's about time. Finally, somebody, because the whole class had already gone once and failed. Oh you know? my gosh. But as a, as a rollback, you only have two chances. And, it, you know, so it was like everything was on. And, and then the other guy who had 
had an attitude problem the same day that we got rolled, they failed him on that one. And mm. he's done. Oh my gosh. Second phase gets everybody. <laughs> that yeah. is hard. It's where you learn your manners. Yeah. Second mm-hmm. phase. That's it's like true. humble pie. Oh, <laughs> it's it's a huge humble pie, right? I yeah. mean, that's a total good way of saying it. I mean, oh you just you just have to drink the water, and, and then when you get the water, you got them waiting on you. Yep. So that's like the videos of y'all laying in the right on the shore break. Where no, no, that's that's surf that's, torture. That's, oh, that's, that's surf, surf torture. torture. This, okay. this is your, this your underwater pool comp where there's like a 15. Is it like 15 feet in the combat training tank? Oh, so gotcha. you go down and sit on the bottom on your knees, and you've got a scuba tank, and they come down and they give you like a like a surf hit, like as if I you see. got rolled in a wave, and they all your gears thrown out on the bottom of the pool, yeah. all strung out. They tie your hoses. You're and down knots, there with a mask on, you know? and you got your tank, and you this got your regulator in your mouth. Hands are tied or whatever. No, it's a different one. Different thing. Yeah, different thing altogether. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And then they're swimming above you like sharks, mm-hmm. and then they'll take a breath, come down, and I mean, beat your ass. Turn you upside down, Is it bang that your big head on the pool deck. On the compound, that big water tank looking thing? No, no, that's the dive tower. That's the dive tower. It's something okay. different too. That's crazy. Like Y'all have so many different oh, ways of torture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is it this torture? This torture? This torture? Torture our men. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh, that's yeah. crazy. All right, so, so you, you made it through. Yeah, you got a buzz. Um and I don't know if you want to talk about your career at all, but do you want to kind of go into what led you to do um, the Deliver Fund? Because you got into that, and that's what segued into what you do now. Yeah, so we got back, came home, and then how yeah. did you, you get If you that? want to talk about any of your career, you can, but I don't, we don't want to. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, we'd be here all day talking about other stories. So, yeah, I got... We would. I mean, I, I actually, now, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I did go. We hang out. So I know. We can talk all day long. I did go to an SDV team, right? I went to SDV team too. So I was in Virginia and actually, um, so Danny Dietz was in my first platoon and then, um, oh, I'm sorry, it was my second platoon that Danny was in. And then right after that, he was. He's out. a new guy in your platoon. He's right? a new guy in my yeah, platoon. The second, second one he was with guy. you. Yep. And so, and then I'd gone down to Panama City Beach um, to be is an instructor slash uh, research and development down there. And so I was hey, down just, there. Now, is that, that's a pretty sweet gig, right? John. Well, it, it was and it wasn't because I actually asked to go to Bahrain so I could, because I was, I had, you know, comms, sniper, free fall. And I was like, I just wanted to augment guys that were coming through. Oh, you should try to get on the line. I'm talking about yeah, like if you're offline. And I was, and that right. Would... If you're offline, I mean, it's like spring break, you that's know, what, party yeah, area. Yeah, um but it was, it was cool. I, I liked it. And I, you know, it, it had its good things for sure. Um, but when you came home, um, from Afghanistan, we, we came out here and that was my introduction to Texas really. Um, but we, a handful of guys came out like Pittman was, Oh, I can introduce you to Texas. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and and for our listeners, like we were talking about this earlier. I don't know if this was being recorded or not, but Marcus and Morgan really did bring so many non-Texans to Texas, right. whether it was right after Red Wing when Marcus came home or even during Red Wing when a lot of the guys came just to sit at the house um, in Huntsville. But even in between, like after Bud's or what, anytime he went home, he brought these big droves of team guys and introduced them to Texas. Mm-hmm. Even some of your friends married girls from uh, your town. I was like, you can't believe where we live, but it's the people. Like, like I was like, hey, and I just brought them here once. And then after that, the word, they're like, hey, you going to Texas? You going home? 
And I'm like, yeah, y'all want to go? Let's go, man. And we would. It's so funny and to me. They're all still me. here. They moved yeah. here. Now. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny yeah. to me that. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's awesome. that that's how you got introduced that's how we to got, this. Yeah, that's how I got him. Yeah. yeah. You just got to yeah. get him here. Once I get him here, then the rest will. The rest will. <laughs> yeah, and you meet all the other mutual friends slash fraternity brothers, you know, and you and you end up, yeah, and then, and it just. I mean, came, you got married. I forgot to say, that's what we're yeah. talking about, right? I mean, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yep, that's how. So, <clears throat> so I ended up going. Um, Getting out of the Navy right after that. And I, the funny thing is I actually got orders to go to Green Team mm. and uh, with a, a couple of other guys that were good friends of mine. And, and, and I thought about it, but I was, I was disgruntled enough at that point that I was like, I just wanted to get out. And I was also kind of on that, like, I was 29 years old. And I was like, well, if I stay in much longer, you know, then I'm in it for Ten years distance. In, yeah, you know, and at, at 29, I stayed a little bit longer than I was planning on originally. So I was like right at my 10-year mark. And, um, and if you went to green team, you had to sign on for like an additional five years. Yeah. I just wasn't really willing to make that commitment being that I was already a little bit kind of just disgruntled with some way things were being managed. Um, was that because of Red Wing or other stuff? <clears throat> no, just in general. I think, I, I, I think some of the guys, you know, like it was earlier on in, in things where certain platoons were just getting overworked and certain platoons were getting no work, you know, mm. and it's just kind of a. How about um, that? Remember them time? I mean, right. it, it, it was like that. Yeah, and I was on the side of like getting underworked, and we're like, we're here, we're ready to trade out. Oh, what happened? Some other units super frustrated too around you know? us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> and so handful of things. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to chase this. Like, I'm I'm just going to get out and have a career, do my own thing, and not really be um, at the needs of the Navy, anyways. And and so be a little bit more master of my own destiny. And I had this entrepreneurial, you know, mindset. I thought. And so I got out and moved home, started an excavation business for like three years. And I kind of wasn't even really into like the, you know, go over and do the, you know, black water kind of stuff that a lot of guys were doing, making good money at the time. And about three years into it, one of my SEAL buddies said, hey, you should um, check this job out. And in the, so what I had with excavation in Montana, um, in the wintertime, there's not a lot to do. It's not really worth the time. So... I was skiing and doing other stuff and I was just like not really making money during the winter. So I, I thought that'd be a good, like, yeah, I could do that for the winter time a little bit and come home in the summer, do excavation, whatever. And so, um, I didn't really know exactly what I was signing up for then either, but I kind of said, I'll go to the training. I just said, well, how much do they pay? <laughs> you know, and how much do I got to work? <laughs> and so they're like paid by the day and you work a couple months at a time. I was like, cool. So, um, I went to this training, and it ended up being, um, we'll just say it was the same job that the guys from 13 Hours were doing, right? Um, but all my trips ended up going to Iraq for that. So I did that for like five and a half years. And I would do a couple of months on, a couple of months off usually. And it was a pretty fun thing. It, I mean, you and I actually had a conversation right before I decided to do that. I don't know if you remember this, but um, in the old uh, seal house, because I showed up one night late and was telling Marcus, like, <clears throat> kind of about this, like, do I go this way or that way? And um, actually, funny enough, like her brother offered me a, a job, actually, to, but I was going to be in Alabama. I'm like, I don't really want to live in Alabama. <laughs> and it was before we were dating, but but like, but it was like you had I had a couple different options, and I chose the one I chose. So I did that <clears throat> for five and a half years, and on my last trip over there. I went to Baghdad and um, flying out, Ryan Zinke and I were on the same flight. He was going to California. I was going to D.C. And, 
and uh, he was just getting ready to run his first U.S. congressional campaign. And so I said, look, I'll, I'll help you, but I don't really know what that means, but I'll, I'll help you however I can because we're from the same town, same city, and I just felt like, you know, obligated to help the team guy out. So he's like, cool, you're going to be a regional director. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but. Hell yeah. Happy to <laughs> yeah. So that's what I did. I came back from that and hopped into that political grassroots Is there a badge world. for that? Because if it is, I, I only want it if there's a badge for it. Okay? I didn't get a coin. <laughs> um, that's about it. So it, that was a really good experience for me to learn about politics and on that grassroots. I know Morgan, Morgan just went that's through That's right? And so. Amen to that. Um, I remember when you were doing that. We yeah. went yeah. down. That's uh, right. That's right. To Houston. Houston. Yeah. yeah. And so I just got to kind of experience all of that. And then uh, right after that, um, a guy who I'd worked with, you know, overseas basically said, hey, I'm, I'm starting this um, nonprofit to do counter human trafficking. And I said, sign me up, you know. So I did. I jumped in with that. And, I, and for almost, you know, seven and a half years, probably, I was a co-founder of that and around from the beginning. And, you know, their whole mission was to equip, train, advise law enforcement to go after human traffickers, kind of a target centric methodology to focus on going after the bad guy. And, you know, through that, I definitely learned how important the data is to that fight. Um, you know, we call it open source intelligence, right? Like, you know, even the, the CIA spent a lot of time going after bad guys through human intelligence and trying to, you know, have somebody track them around. And eventually they got smarter or had the option to use, you know, open source intelligence and follow people around in a little bit easier way, just looking at their, um, you know, digital footprint, right? And so one of the things that we're doing now is we've started this company, Con Technology, and we're focused on collecting data, any kind of data on human trafficking or um, exploitation and globally. And if we can collect all that data and figure out how to organize it and give it attribution to uh, human trafficking, then we can, we can allow access to that at different levels from governments, corporations, and I think one of the things that's always been missing is having a tool to put in the hands of a direct consumer. So we actually have a mobile app that is going to tell you if you're interacting with somebody that's in, you know, this database of nefarious characters. And so, you know, that's where because there's already that's where a we're database, right? It's just the American people or the public doesn't have access to it, correct? I've never, um, I've always wondered if like the NSA or somewhere they have this database, but I don't really know exactly what they would have because. Um, even Microsoft actually came out recently and said, you know, here's our database. But it was it what they provided was all of the convictions that had happened. Right. So if you're a human trafficker and you're convicted, here's your. Understandable. Right? Yeah, that's when it's <laughs> but, showing. Right. But what doesn't what didn't exist, um, to my knowledge, was something that's more preventative. So like out of all the human traffickers that get convicted, what is that percentage? 10%. I don't know. Not, not most of them don't get convicted. Um, so why? Well, because there's no resources. There's law enforcement doesn't have the technology. They don't have the money. And even if they do, they don't have the, the, the time and the prosecutors also don't. And, and because the problem's gotten so big. And so <clears throat> what I'll, I think a lot of people don't realize today is around like human trafficking specifically is, um, we think of it as, I mean, we still think of it as like, 
well, that's just pimps and prostitutes yeah. on the street. You know, and right. if you go to like Houston, you go, well, there's Bissonette, you know, lane or street and, and it's happening on that street and you can see it's out of the open, but technology has allowed that market to move onto your smartphone. So if you're selling some, if you're selling anything for business, you know, you want to have it accessible via a smartphone. You can do business right from anywhere, anytime. And you can connect a, you can connect a consumer with, um, or a purchaser with the product. And so that's, that's happened in the human trafficking world too. And so there's websites that have commercial sex advertising where it's maybe done in the, in the guise of a escort ad. But when you look at it, it's quite obvious that it's, you know, like it's pornographic of nature just looking at it. And so it's, it's clearly advertising for sex. And then you can read what they say in the ad, and it's obviously um, advertising for sex. And so one of the things that we can do is we can collect all of those ads from all of these websites around the world where they're doing commercial sex advertising. And then in, in different areas and locations, there's different um, known indicators of, of what is human trafficking versus maybe just prostitution or something else. Because those are different. It's, they can be different. different, thing. different I mean, you would think areas. that there are people that and, want yes. to make a living and then there are people that are doing it against their so, will. So prostitution mm-hmm. is one, if you're a minor, you're not legally old, you're not legally old enough to make a decision to be a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So that's considered human trafficking if you're a minor. Sure. Secondly, um, if it involves force, fraud, or coercion, then it's a trafficking case versus at least in the United States, right? That's our law. And so that is um, part of the criteria. So we're looking for uh, indicators that show force, fraud, or coercion. And there's a lot of things from the text of the ad to the emojis that they, um, I, I never know if I say that right, emoji, emoji, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. right? And so they, uh, so we take all of that and, and in different areas around the world, there are different indicators because cultures are different, society is different. And so we do the attribution with that through machine learning and AI. And then we have this database that's ex- that we can make ex- accessible at any level. And so like governments can use it because the governments need to find that out. And then we actually have an app for law enforcement as well. And the app for law enforcement is super cool because it's going to also include, um, you know, facial recognition component. So if an officer has got a girl on the street he can immediately see, like I can take a picture and say, does this person pop anywhere in the global database mm-hmm. on, you know, human trafficking or if a missing child, you know, I, and I use the example too, like last summer in Dallas, there was a 14 or 15 year old girl who was at the um, Mavericks game. I don't know if you heard about this, yeah. but, right. And so, she was, she was, she was taken, abducted, and and there may be at some the more game, at the game. She went to the bathroom. She, right? she went to the bathroom. bathroom yeah. She left her cell phone with her dad, and so she goes to the restroom and is just gone. And they don't find her for like twelve days. And there's a nonprofit out of D.C. who was basically the cyber hunters, and they were looking for her, and they were looking at these different sex advertisements, and they were trying to see if she'd pop up anywhere. And 12 days later, they found her. She popped up on an ad in Oklahoma, and so I think it was in Oklahoma. And so law enforcement was able to do like a sting operation, and they got her back. But during that that amount of time, I mean, you can imagine 
like usually it's they're raped between six to 20 times a day. I mean, mm, that's kind of like gosh. these trafficked victims are often sold that, that often in a day. And so for that many days, you so imagine you to kill these guys. You've asked me that before. And my answer is the same. <laughs> <clears throat> I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, Oh, I mean, they should, me right? So I mean, in the old days, you'd stone people cry. like this, right? Yeah. But so, so this is. Oh, we got a special place. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. And so, I, this is like one of the tools that never existed before. Was like, I mean, imagine you know, if your daughter's in college and she's on a dating app and she's interacting with somebody, and how she's supposed to know if they're a nefarious character or not. I get it. We can allow them to have that, be empowered with that in their own hands to say this person is associated with commercial sex advertising and these indicators of human trafficking. So now it's your choice whether or not you want to interact with them or not. And then with law enforcement, again, they can have a tool that can help find um, missing children, victims, um, and help identify who, who's involved. So that's... So do we bring back the up. public... Remember we were kids, we had the public service announcements, and then yeah, when you right. were in school, then you had the civic civility, and then like teach kid how to, be, to keep their head on a swivel yeah. at the young age. Do we do that anymore? They do that in public schools anymore? I, I think they just focus on gender. Yeah. Right. Uh, Stuff like that. And what do you want to be today? They focus right. on inclusion and gender studies. Right. And, uh, around I, right. Yeah. I would also <laughs> add that, you know, a lot of times too, like they're, they're more focused on like the stranger danger piece, right? And like what to look out for with, you know, um, people you, you don't know, but a lot of the trafficking, um, the majority of the victims, it's through like a relationship that already exists, be it like family member, a friend of the family, or just somebody that they're interacting with whom they actually trust um, versus somebody that is unknown to them. More with the, the actions, right, as opposed to the person. Because I feel at a young age, you're teaching them different because they learn different in a capacity mm-hmm. as opposed to adults do. So it's like, because they can act. I don't think you know what camouflage is as a kid. I, you know what I'm talking about? Like whatever, whatever they, whatever a human comes out with, is probably what they they think. Mm-hmm. And you don't really pick that up till later, mm-hmm. or unless something happens to you. I think there's got to be a way we can teach. So like, hey, right? Sarcasm. How the hell can you? Because you don't want to teach them that. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things that got dropped into I don't know planet Earth that we had to freaking <laughs> deal with, man. I guess. Yeah. Our kids already have sarcasm. Yeah, but get yeah. from us. <laughs> I'm, I'm the best at it, man. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's part of my vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. So is this app available to everybody? Anybody can download it? It will be. I mean, we're probably a month or two out from it uh, being being launched. We're uh, in the state right now where we're collecting that. I mean, it's a, it's a multitude of websites that we're collecting from globally. And so um, we are, the app is going to the app store soon and we have to go through a little beta testing and then it'll be out. And so anybody can pay like, it's probably going to be like five bucks a month, you know, and a parent can get like a, you can have a family plan so you can keep your family safe. You know, um, you can you can type in a email or phone number or information into it to see if it pops again on any of a, any of that database. And then, you know, and Brittany's talked a lot about, too, like there's other data sets that we can include into that as well. Um, probably eventually, but like our, our flagship launch of it really is focused around human exploitation. So. So is it something where. In this app, like you're typing in someone's name as if you're doing a background check, or how's the app working? It's both. It's it's uh, <clears throat> the goal is to have it where you can type in something, any piece of information, and see what pops, you know, what what matches and comes back. So whether it's uh, um, 
any kind of personal identifier, if it's a phone number, email, social handle, or just something that um, is listed in, in a text. Or and the law enforcement side, again, has the facial recognition match as well. Um, but then also, our goal is to get it to the point where we basically have the technology that looks at what you're seeing. So you can choose which apps you want it to monitor. And as you are on your phone, it's monitoring those apps. You're giving it user consent to look at those, those other apps. And so eventually, um, if you are getting an Uber um, and you want to know that your driver, or even if you're an Uber driver, you want to know who's getting in your vehicle. It's right? like your own personal resume that you already have on there. Yeah, totally. It's like a reverse resume. Mm -hmm. And then back, you said background checks, and actually, like Brittany was volunteering to be a Sunday school teacher, and she had to do background check, you know. But you know what data they don't ha currently have, and they should have. Does this person got any involvement with human trafficking, you know, or sex advertising? Yeah, yeah, they should. And so, like, we can pipe our data into a plethora of different places um, that all, even in the even on the financial side, there's a, a know your customer, you know, KYC kind of component, and you know, this is going to be something that. And we can talk to Morgan about helping get that pushed through, you know, but there's never been a congressperson I've talked to yet who isn't looking for a way to help fight human oh, trafficking, sure. yeah. right? So this is just something that in the evolution of how you fight human trafficking needs to happen and provide good data to, you know, all those different, you know, places I mentioned. When we came online and became adults, we got our tech back. It's like before 2000, we were grounded. All right. You know what I mean? And... Hunter and I were talking about this the other day too. It's like, man, back in before 2000, no one was on the same time, right? Like your watches would be a minute off. Or, oh or yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you always had to do the time, time hack. Hacks, we had to do right? time hack everywhere. Now, now it's all satellite. Phone, you know? Everyone's on yeah. the same. So that yeah. had to do something. Even to like us. different yeah. phone carriers would be a minute yeah. off. There, yeah, something. right. Yeah. yeah. Now that had to have changed us somehow. Yeah. I mean, there are so much things that change, and I, I mentioned this a couple times. I spoke to a group of. Um, there was actually a, a political group of people, but, um, one of the guys was an older gentleman there who's been technology his whole life. He used to make like the chips that go into, you know, cell phones and stuff. Right. And so, um, he said, so what you're telling me, it's more of a statement than a question is like, and he held up his iPhone and he said, this is nothing more than a brick in the tower of Babel. And I thought, <laughs> poetic. I wow, thought, that was deep. wow, okay. Yeah. And then I was kind of in the moment. I was like, okay, I'll process that as fast as I can and move to the next question, right? But then the more I thought about it, the technology has gotten to this point where we are so, um, like, it's everything to us, right? And to that statement about it being a brick in the Tower of Babel, like, what's the story of Tower of Babel? You know, like, it's a, humans decided that we don't need God because we have yeah. we can build our own tower to heaven right we don't we don't need god and technology has kind of done that in a way too where it's not kind of like it has done that where we don't need we don't need god because we can create everything we need through ai through technology through you know and in that story god said i'm going to spread you out because Never again am I going to allow you guys all speak the same language and hang out because this is the kind of stuff you come up with. You know, it's a humanistic kind of approach. Where, again, where you're just trying to eliminate God, and he's like, I'll, I'll just separate you guys. Well, now we're back to that place again where you can talk with anybody at any time, 
in any language because you have the technology. In that's your, a portal. In your, in mm-hmm. your, it, exactly. And if you know what to type in that sucker, yeah. you can get anything out of it. That's information. Right. Like you pull it down. Like we crave that. And the, the Tower of Babel brick's brilliant if he said it that way. It, it was. Because if you want to confound the languages, how would you do that? You separate us. Right. Think about how many different languages there are. Then think of the slang that goes right. into that. You walk into right. a neighborhood and throw a wrong color out, boom, you're dead. You're dead. That sucker right there is... Mm-hmm. I, I, it's funny now because when I see the old timers walking around with them on their hip, I'm like, look at that gun swinging right there, man. You know what I'm talking about? Some got them two gun oh, yeah, rigs going yeah, on. Because yeah. it, it is, man. You can pull yeah. that off. The right person has that in their hand. They yeah. can mess you up. Right. But it really is incredible in good and bad ways that with just a phone, we, like, Hunter and I went to Uganda. And right. we're able to communicate right. with someone in the is, middle right? of right. freaking nowhere just through our phone. I was up. able to show a farmer in Uganda how to preserve tomatoes because mm-hmm. they were complaining of not being able to stretch their season out. Taught this person, you know, like that? completely. It's, it's like we <laughs> learned how to. Somebody, I saw something with AI the other day, and they they simulated what it would be to. To, to end the world. I'm like, you already put that in their head? <laughs> Why would you even yeah. type that in there, yeah. man? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I like, mean, if you teach it to do something, it will. And they, they were saying, I was like, man, you really got to put a lot of effort and time into training this. I'm like, sounds like a kid. I sounds, sounds like a child. You got to do the same thing with human beings because if you don't train us, yeah. think I'm a dangerous that sucker. Either. I saw something recently and I thought that it said that this AI had become sentient, I think is the word, which is basically like, we are sentient beings. I might be saying that wrong. That's right. Um, you're saying it right. But like, basically, we become self-aware. And when you become self-aware, you do what's in the best interest of you. Of yourself. So if you are an AI slash computer slash robot slash whatever, if you're doing what's in the best interest of you and you decide, well, I mean, this is what Elon Musk has always been like trying to guard against, I guess, at some point. He's like, beware of what you wish for here because at some point, you know, this is going to take over, and and we're at a crazy place right now because I think maybe you even saw this. They they had a fake podcast with Joe Rogan that came out with I think it was like Sam Harris and Joe Rogan, all done by, by AI. It was called like Episode One, and you couldn't tell the difference, right? So like you have Chat GPT now, where you know from OpenAI, yeah. and you can just say I want you to write this, but now. It's not just writing. Now you Sing. take video. Oh, I got our voices you, too. You, you take your voices. Your voice you can put any voice and any. I saw the president open the draft the other day. Right. Exactly. And I, I believe that was like so, kind of scared me. I was like, "What? Now, are you kidding me? What can you actually believe? <laughs> what can you believe? Like, if remember we wanted a video back in the day. And now you're like, hey, I need some people's yeah. eyes. I don't, like, you got to have two people integrity because you can you can make a video of anybody doing anything, especially we're if they're in a public. crazy time. <laughs> Well, and how do you prove that that's not, like, if they're making video and and audio of someone that's actually not true, how do you prove that that's not them? There's probably another uh, Team Never Quit podcast out there you don't even know about yet. (laughs) Just like the different Team Never Quit apparel (laughs) stores that are out there. I mean, it's wild. Even in, like, marketing, there's all these advertisements now. Like, you have, like, Jasper. You have other different AI things. And it's like, hey... I want to market to this segment, you know, and like a friend of ours is a real estate agent. He's like, Hey, I want to, I want to focus on like this segment of people. Like what should my marketing look like? And it's like, boom, here you go. In three seconds, here's your sure, whole yeah. marketing plan. You How know? about that? You know, like the whole, like and the, if you're having a conversation, like especially with kids, it's almost like that we got, we got this and then we were having so much fun with it. We had kids while mm-hmm. we were doing it and we hadn't put the rules in yet. So now they're playing with it and you're like, mm-hmm. wait, uh, yeah, now we have to figure out how to how to monitor it, and it's it's the wild west. There's never been yeah. like real good parameters on like 
governing like how it can be used and 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 so it's, it's all out there for to again to be used for good or evil they can look right? it up like you can tell your kids something they'll be like really so <laughs> how can yeah. who well, sets yeah. who can do that who can put parameters on ai or even just what we can look up what we can do on social media because well there has to be something that's a dangerous place to go too because if you look at the last couple of years and you look at the censorship sure that, that oh happened, yeah how would you even start that we're gonna have who these, would you get to do we're it? gonna have these fact checkers right yeah exactly oh. I'm sure that those fact checkers are legit. Because right. <laughs> any AI has to be written off of somebody's intelligence, somebody else, a human. Kind of, so yeah. which human did you get to do that? Yeah. What's their political What's, motive? How right? do they think what, when yeah. they get pissed? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about when they're happy. What's their agenda? What, what, yeah. what, what do they look like when they get upset? Because when people get upset, they're, the happy one goes away, and like behind that, they were this. And if you don't I mean, know that... Look at what they did. Remember, was it, wasn't it Twitter that was first like, they kicked off the president of the United States? Off a social media platform. Yeah. But they got terrorists on there. You know? Right. I never off. understood that. I'm like, okay, whatever he says on it, fine. Look, let's just put that to the side. Why do you still have terrorists <laughs> on here? Like, right. how is that okay? But you are actually yeah. going to kick off the leader of our country. So is this going to get that's that. a whole other conversation? <laughs> yeah. With the phone? Yeah. Yeah. So you just download it. You go to the app store. You download the app. Like uh, the one for law enforcement will be specific to that. And then you know we've got um, our our mobile app. We're we're finalizing the name of the app right now. So if you have got any good names, let us know. Um, but have you put that out to team guys yet? Because you know we'll oh, come up with some stuff. I know. Right? You need like That's a, a good idea, bro. Yeah, we'll put it on the put thread. We'll put it on the thread. Yeah. Hey boys, we yeah. need a cool name. Come yeah. on with it. I know. I had a couple I don't even want to say on here, but yeah. So, so we're, we're getting close to being able to launch that. And that is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be, it's just going to grow in capability and be able to intersect all the different places that we touch the internet and people that we're interacting with in the digital space. And just, and I think that corporations have a real need for it too, because some like hotels, motels, for example, I mean, they're getting sued because class action lawsuits of human trafficking oh, sure. victims saying like, you knew I was being sold for yeah, sex sure, on yeah. your, mm-hmm. and same thing with social media platforms and short term rentals and it'll choke all itself out eventually. Right. Yeah. And so like, this is uh, like, everybody really has a need to, to, to deal with this and has a need for that good yeah. information. That's but good way of saying that. I don't necessarily trust a corporation to have my best interest or my family or my daughter's best interest or even the government to have my best interest. So why not also have the tool that my family or my daughter can have in their own hands yeah. to be able to have that access to that data as well? So, so yeah, so to truly have a change with the people that have to come from the people, not the people as an entity. Like, I mean, I did back, this right? for like seven and a half years in this nonprofit, you know, fighting human trafficking world. And it is so difficult to raise money in a nonprofit, right? So, I mean, obviously what we're doing now is a for-profit business. Um, we're going to have a nonprofit, but our nonprofit is going to be just to push money out to those other organizations that are fighting human trafficking or human exploitation. Yeah. So it's kind of a pass-through. Um, and we become the vetting source for who's doing, you know, impactful work. Um, but there's just a whole bunch of things that we're missing in this fight. And that's one of them is having a, a real prevention tool that can be in the hands of anybody and allow you to make the decision of who you want to interact with, at least let you know that there's something there. Um, 
because sometimes there's a whole grooming process that takes place over time, you know, and if it can, it can give that child or that, uh, or that potential victim, um, that information, but it also their friends can have access and be looking up people and saying, Hey, is this person that my friend is interacting with? You might be caught up in it and not want to see what's happening to them. Um, because they're naive and they think they're getting attention and they're, they, you know, they, this person must love them. And, um, so friends can help, parents can help monitor that. And so it just gives access to everybody. And at the same time, it's only like going to be a few bucks a month. And so it's like we can push out information and updates and things about human trafficking. So we it gives us like a microphone into society to say, you know, this is the problem. Here's how you deal with it. Here's how you think about it. Here's prevention models. Here's all these things. And the other... The other component that we have too is we're standing up a platform that is like a video first platform, but it's for all, and this isn't really something we're capitalizing to make money on, but it's just something to help in the fight. It's having a platform where all the different nonprofits who are in the fight can be on this platform oh, sure, yeah. and it becomes like a, a digital town square for all of them to promote what it is they do. But eventually one day, yeah, my goal- police department. Exactly. My, my goal would be that one day it becomes robust enough that a child goes missing anywhere in the world and you have all these people shut who it down, yeah. are already sure. claiming to be the people in this fight, yeah. you know, because law enforcement doesn't always have those resources, but you have all these nonprofits who are raising money and saying, this is what I do in the fight. You turn them all into first, you know, responders sure. and, and the engage web. them. And you're like, oh, you're a super cyber hunter guy? Cool, boom. Here's the missing person. Go How for about it. that? Victim services, engage. You know, like have everything. Some, if, if, if a blast comes out from there, it's like drop a web, right? Exactly. And as soon as you know, and everyone boom. gets contacted and wherever you're Everybody's sitting, working yeah, yeah. immediately. So in so that case of the girl. How do you make that happen? Oh, we're making it happen. You are oh, making we, it happen. We are, yeah, okay. for sure. So for, yeah. So is are all, because there's so many different human trafficking organizations when yeah. I, um, Okay. Are they talking to each other? Are they supportive of each other? They're the mostly most in competition of each other because kind of like, I would say churches, but like, I, I, you know, like anybody who's in a nonprofit is like fighting for dollars. It seems like, right. Yeah. Sometimes they don't realize that people are going to support what they want to support and they may support multiple charities all in the same field. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but people in the nonprofit space are like fighting for dollars and they're, they're they're trying to make their case why they're better than everybody else and everybody else sucks so um what i love about what we're doing now is we become essentially like agnostic in that and we say we're here to support all of you guys and our nonprofit, our whole thing from the nonprofit side is just to give money to you know those other charities that are doing good work our for-profit business is there to make money but provide tools and prevention and have a huge hammer in the fight against human trafficking um but as we push um, we push resources to those who are doing the work. Um, what we want to do is we want to have that platform where they can all engage and it's, it'll be like a, think of it kind of like a YouTube platform in a way where they can have their own channel in there. Um, but there's, it's going to be more than that. it's like kind of if you, if you, and it's all on web three, but it's, if you, if you had Instagram and YouTube, um, and maybe a couple other things kind of all combined together, that's what this platform does. And it also allows um, all of those nonprofits to 
you know, interact and communicate in a way, but it also allows anybody else who wants to be involved in fighting human trafficking in their area to say, how do I get involved? Where do I get involved? Who's, who's doing what? You go on there, you, yeah. see, you can see who's doing what they're advertising, and we're promoting all of them. Um, it teaches them what to look for, too. Yeah, like scenario based for sure. traps, how, how yeah. they're played out. What? And we'll have like everything from like, um, you know, this is a research center. Like, here's the white papers to here's the people that are like undercover yeah. doing sting operations or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the, everything in between, and then and then just empowering them to all work together. So there's there's really good examples where um, that can happen. And actually, Houston is a great example because. The, the government has come together to, to um, form a task force that involves like five counties and it has everything from the U.S. Attorney's Office down to Crime oh, Stoppers. You know? That's and, good. Yeah. yeah. There's a straight line from right. the top. So one thing gets handed off to the other. That's how stuff, that's how it gets Before they ever make that arrest, they've yeah, already yeah. talked to the attorneys. It's already there. Said, that's right, Here's yeah. what I've got. And they said, well, this is why I need this too before you can go sure. do this. So they tie it all together. They do a phenomenal job. It's a phenomenal model. Um, but it's that's a combination of government and some nonprofits together. Um, when you see that happen, when they yeah. when they all work, when you get everyone on the same page and they flow like what happens overnight? Yeah, I mean yeah. it's quick. Yep. So we want to empower that um, just to the, the next level, and then get these nonprofits to appreciate the space that they're in, appreciate the the thing that they do that they bring to the table, and then just promote them in that. You know, not everybody needs to do the same thing, or the or not everybody needs to do the same thing as everybody else or be, right. you know, people want to do, you get a little bit more money. If we just had a little more money, we could do everything, you know, no, just focus on the thing that you're good at. Right. And then we can really help them. I feel like so many of them that. do have their own niche. And so it would Correct. be good if they worked together because yep. they're not all doing the exact same thing. So if they did, that's what it is. Well, yeah, work yeah. together, then there would be such a bigger impact instead of, Maybe we'll do a version a two for veteran organizations. Yeah, I was going to say, right? there's no way we could just kind of bend those around. Yeah. One person could have access yeah. to all of them. Yeah, like, that would, yeah that's your next challenge, that. to create an app to network all the veteran brings organizations. Brings every, every one of the organizations yeah. together where they get a... Yeah. We've always wanted to do this. Ever since we first got married, um, like... Marcus started Loans Forever Foundation just a few months before we met. And then, oh, I mean, it was like this huge flood of nonprofits started after that. I mean, right. in 2010, a ton of them started that year, the year we got married. And I think it was because um, there were a lot of deaths going on yeah, in the war. True. And there was just a lot of things going on. And the war was so hot and heavy at the time. And... We were, Marcus said, well, if I would have known that all of these different organizations were going to pop up, I would have never, I would have never started this. And we always talked about how we wish we could somehow be a network to people. And, but you have to earn that. And on the side we have, I mean, privately, if people come to us and ask like, hey, I have a friend that needs this, this, and this, I'll do a little bit of homework and send it to them. But it would be so cool to have one central space that was like, okay, you're a widow and you need help paying your mortgage, go to this place. If you are a purple heart and you have a prosthetic and your VA is not paying for it and you need this, go to this place. You know, like there's so many different things. It's there. 
Yeah. And there's something yeah, for everybody. We're the right. We need to put it on the internet. We do. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good idea. I don't think it'd be all that difficult. Can't be that difficult. I mean, because that's exactly, people check in. Say, hey, exactly this is what we're do doing this for this. Mm-hmm. We're tying all these nonprofits together that all do different things, and we're gonna we're gonna tie them together in a way as when it's like time to engage. You know, it's like here's your you know. And you can kind of see who's actually doing real impactful work when it's like, here's, oh, a, yeah. who's, here's a mission. You hear about who, it. Who's able to actually, you know, execute. Yeah, you hear about it. Right? And same thing with the veteran side. I mean, I, when I was working with Ryan, um, we were running around Montana. It was like, it was like, same deal. I started meeting all these guys who were starting an organization, and they all wanted the same thing. They're like, I just need to find this billionaire guy mm-hmm. and have him buy me this property because it's got a really cool lake on it. And <laughs> I'll just help guys that, you know, or need... PTSD, this or that, whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, I'd love it if some billionaire guy bought me a cool property. never acre, to me. 200 Same. acres. Yeah, we never got that. <laughs> but, but it doesn't. It, we it, had to work and buy it. You know. And, then, yeah. and, and the other side was like, you know, like how much time is spent on the just administrative side of it. And then these guys who had a real vision to do something impactful, they their whole time is spent doing administrative stuff yeah. and not actually doing the mission. So if you could have an umbrella of like, here's here's the administrative side now. We have like multiple people that are just going and doing their mission, you know, and, and even make it a collective, you know. Well, it would it be so exist. much more. It didn't exist for us. That's why the, yeah. the NOM guys had some time. And tough. then you have egos, right? So that's. Well, there's a bunch of them. And, yeah. and hence. <laughs> You're strapped up with them when you come out. Yeah. For sure. So. Well, I love what you're doing with this. Yeah, so this if we need to really... bring attention, how do people find you, follow you, and... And, and really just follow the app, like when it's going to yeah. come out and all that. I know you have an Instagram that's giving information. Brittany can mention that. Yeah, we um, so we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, been on since just February, so not a lot of content on there. But the website is kime.tech, and that's C-A-I-M.tech. And then it's Kime Technology or Kime Tech on all of those platforms. Okay. Kime is Gaelic word, like she said, C A I. You know how many people speak Gaelic? A lot, it turns out. Really? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Well, my, yeah, so. Well, I guess I have to brush tur- up on it. Turns then. out. I've been out of the loop a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to get on that. We need to. I, I didn't know this either, but. Um, yeah, so Kaim is actually a, a Gaelic word that means uh, sanctuary or protection. And so say that. that's kind of a yeah. cool little deal. And, um, Remember Tower of Babel? Yeah. Confounded the languages. That's right. <laughs> Kaim technology. technology. And so anybody. Kaim.tech is the website, and we're um, making it more robust by the day. And people can follow, follow us on the social media platforms she mentioned. And then um, they can also go on right now, I believe, on the website, the homepage. They can actually pre-register, um, just sign up through email um, to get updates regarding the app. So mm-hmm. as soon as the app is launched, just once it's available on the major stores, then um, we'll they'll get a notification. And so they can go at and the longest, it. it might be four months or so before um, that's available. We're hoping it's less than two months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so incredible. I mean, I'll use it. I'm always scared when I get into an Uber, I keep my window down. I'm like, Oh, I need fresh air. (laughs) (laughs) I always have these like, okay, am I going to need to escape or (laughs) scream for help? Um, (laughs) or I have Marcus or one of my sisters on the phone the whole time. (laughs) Are you following me on my life? 360? (laughs) That's why I was a good teen guy back there. It's like, I think this guy wants me to kidnap you. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I'm so happy that y'all are doing this, and I think it will be revolutionary um, with just the safety of yeah. our kids or, you know, everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. even... You'd think we'd put that, the most effort into that. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I got kids. back and right. we started doing this and when you when you have them online and then they grew it and they're they're around it's like, hey man, the most important thing we got's them. Yeah. yeah. It's like you want to change something, we gotta protect them. Yeah. And and teach them. Yeah. Our it's little wild. ones are uh ten and eleven now, and so they're starting they're at that age, it's like, Can we mm. go to a friend's house or can we go, you know, whatever? And I'm like, oh, no, who's the people? Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just lay out their little pipeline name and email. Form, like with Axe. Yeah. I mean, I, I was saying out loud, man. I was like, okay, so I got a kid. He's, you know, he speaks Spanish. He freaking loves basketball. He goes jujitsu and he's a Boy Scout. You know, he's starting to scout. So I was like, that's a that's a good solid resume right there. Mm-hmm. You can give him that little base. That's what my brother and I had. Mm-hmm. Just two of those. Mm-hmm. I was like, you teach them when they're young. I mean, yeah, they'll go out and act while you know soil those oats for sure. Mm-hmm. But if it's in there, it's in there. Teach Although to Addie wants to do yeah, everything Axe does because she wants to beat him at it. So yeah. <laughs> she's going to have her girly daughter, stuff plus everything Axe does. Right. Teach her everything. She's very competitive. My daughter is two and holy smoke. She is, she's tough. Yeah, she is like, tough. She is, she is tough. this little angelic child, sweet as can be, always full of joy, but she's tough. Yeah. Look at her uncle. I mean, she's got yeah. freaking Navy SEALs protecting her, man. That's a different story altogether. Not including all the Green Berets and Rangers and everybody right. in Marines we in hook town. up with. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our son starts Jiu Jitsu next week when oh, we get home. Fun. So, yeah. Starting him yeah. early. All I got to do is four, take him and drop him off. Four years old, man. Just sit him in there. Jiu-jitsu. Really no much effort yeah. than that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought it would be like a pain in my ass, but really all yeah. I got to do is go in. And my brother's in there. So, and some of my boys. So, we yeah. just like, we the we get to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. Morgan's yeah. kids are in it too. So yeah. the, the dads like, go and take the kids. Oh my gosh. It is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, man, well, thank you all for coming out here. I Thanks know you had to come us. from Montana, but thank you so much. And we can't wait to see what this does. Trying to make the world a better place. And yeah, you know, you are making it a better place. This isn't a tangible way to do it. So, we will definitely have the app on our phones for sure. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you guys for coming out. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening in. We'll see you next week on Team Never Quit Podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.